We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Good morning, everybody. Um, good to see you all, and good morning on Zoom as well. Is this water for me, Nick? Or... Don't worry, don't worry, it's fine. I just saw it, and I just wanted to... Um, <laughs> cool. Um, so if you have... I'm just going to grab my clicker. If you have your Bibles or a phone or something to look at the Bible on, feel free to turn to Matthew 6, 9 to 13. And we're going to be looking at this passage this morning. Got that on the screen. We'll, uh, we'll press on. Um, Matthew 6, 9 to 13. It's what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer. Um, and, and we're just going to read it before we start, and then we're going to chat a little bit more about it. Oh, cheers, Nick. Thank you. <clears throat> so, um, oh, go back a bit. Helps to have the clicker on, doesn't it? Um, great. So, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation uh, but deliver us from evil. So we're going to look at this passage this morning. um, and In fact, we're going going to zoom in very close just to one particular part, one particular verse. Um, I've been thinking about this passage a lot this year, around about the start of 2022. Jane and I were, uh, my wife Jane, we we were chatting and uh, kind of asking, is there anything God might be giving us for this year or or saying to us for this year? And I just kept coming back to this this passage and I found it a real strength to me at that time. There was a bit of uncertainty in our our family at that time. Jane had had lost her dad. Um, There was a lot of change happening. We just had a new baby. We're just kind of coming out of COVID, but we were like, are we going to get plunged into a lockdown again? It just felt a little bit uncertain. But reading this um, was strength and life to me. And I just, I was praying it, I was reading it and asking God about it and felt him just speaking to me through it. And I just want to share some of, some of that with you this morning. It's quite a familiar passage, probably, to many of us, especially if you've been around church any length of time, or if you went to a Christian school, as I did, you tend to kind of say these words quite a lot, the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, etc. And it can kind of get stuck in your, your head and can kind of just become words. But it's actually part of a teaching that Jesus gives. It's part of something called uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and it's, it's his longest teaching that we have in the Bible. Um, it's really radical. It's quite challenging to read if you read it. And this is, is part of that. And he's explaining how to pray. He says to his followers, to his disciples, the people gathered around him at that time, he says, pray then like this. And then he, he goes into it. And we commonly call it the Lord's Prayer. But it, I think it's more than a prayer. I think it can be quite confusing to, to call it a prayer. It's not just something that we say. It's not just words, words that we go through. 
But it's something that I think God invites us to encounter him in. And I think essentially that's what, that's what prayer is. That's part of what prayer is. So how should we use, um, how should we use this? I've lost the, uh, the screen, but I'll, I'll carry on. It's fine. Um, how should we use this prayer? I want to use a bit of an analogy to, to try and explain this. Um, my mum is a big gift giver. She loves giving gifts. It's, it's one of her love languages. Um, she loves uh, giving uh, thoughtful gifts and finding out what, what people want, what would be useful to people. But there's a certain kind of gift that my mum tends to give that me and my brothers have, have come to call the mum gift. And, um, and it's a certain kind of gift. She gives very, very functional presents. Useful things, but just, just quite functional. Not the type of thing you'd normally consider to be a gift. One year for my birthday, she gave me a ladle. Um, <laughs> I was into cooking. Ladles are very useful if you're making stock or making soup. I still use the ladle today. I was very thankful for it. But it just wasn't what I was expecting. It was a very functional, functional thing. And um, there was one year that I received one of these gifts. And um, Jane and I had just got married. We just moved into our, our house. There was a lot that needed doing around the house. Um, there was kind of bare plaster walls, just you know, stuff that needed, shelves needed putting up, etc., etc. Um, and it was my birthday, and, and I get this gift from my mum, and I open it up, and inside is this. <laughs> Classic mum gift. Um, very functional, very useful. There's a bit of background needed to fully appreciate the significance of this gift. So in my family, particularly on my dad's side, <laughs> there isn't a great tradition of men being good at DIY. Um, <laughs> don't get me wrong, my dad is a man of many talents, as anyone who, who knows him will, will tell you. But DIY isn't one of them. Um, when our, our flat roof uh, was leaking growing up, it was my mum up the ladder trying to fix it. And my dad was sat at the foot of the ladder playing a guitar. And that kind of, <laughs> that sort of, um, <clears throat> that, that sums up how things were, their, their relationship. Um, I think I even got a picture of that particular scene. Um, <laughs> couldn't find it for today, but anyway. But I, I naturally assumed, growing up, that I had inherited this lack of practical ability. I just assumed that I would be terrible at DIY. Um, but then I received this gift. And I guess my point is that there are different kinds of gifts, aren't there? There are, there are gifts that are kind of like uh, nice additions to your life that you don't really need. It's like the icing on the cake. It's nice to get them. And then there are gifts that have like a weight of meaning behind them. If someone gets you a gift of, of gym membership, you know, there's something going on there. there is a, <laughs> there's a weight of meaning behind that gift. And it was a bit like that with this. I realized when I got this, I could just get this toolbox put it away somewhere, never use it. I could use it for something completely unrelated to its intended purpose. Or I could use it for its intended purpose. I could start to fill it with things that might be useful, might be helpful uh, at doing DIY. I could actually incorporate it into my life. And maybe in the process of doing that, I might actually become a different kind of person. I might actually become someone who's not entirely useless. 
at DIY. And um, I'll leave it to your imagination what happened there. Um, but I think this, this prayer that Jesus gives us, I think it's a little bit like that. Um, I think it's, it's a gift that he gives us. He says, pray then like this. But it's a gift to be used. And it's a gift that I believe when we use it, when we truly say, okay, God, I'm going to pray this. I'm going to enter into conversation with you through these guidelines that Jesus has given. Not a script, but, but guide rails. A sense of this is how we pray. Pray like this. Then actually, God, I invite you to change my character, change my emotions, change my desires, change who I am. It's not anything special about the words, but it's God's heart encapsulated in them. Our Father in heaven. Do I really know that? Do I really pray that just because it's something I know in my head? Or is it something that I know to be true? Hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. It means kind of uh, his name being set apart. Um, your kingdom come, your will be done. We sung it this morning, didn't we? Um, so we're going to continue to unpack this. Um, we're actually um, going to look at a particular verse, a particular part of this prayer, and just explore uh, what I've been talking about through that particular line. And it's, it's this one. Give us this day our daily bread. Verse 11. And as I said, as I read this at the start of the year, I just felt God inviting me, saying, there's more of me for you to experience in this. There's more of me for you to encounter in this, if you let me. And I just prayed it again and again and again. And he just began opening up and, and revealing different aspects of his nature. So we're going to look at what, what does this mean? What does he mean by our daily bread? What does that mean? It's quite a puzzling, puzzling phrase. Obviously, on, on the surface... Um, he's talking about provision. He's talking about providing food, our daily bread. Um, and I think it's, it's important to remember that that is absolutely true. That is what he's meaning by this. And actually, for many uh, Christians around the world, they're praying this prayer, not necessarily knowing where their food is coming from. Many people don't have the comfort of, of having lots of food and, and lots of provision as we do. And so that is definitely a key part of, of what it means but I don't think the meaning of this phrase stops there. I think there's more that God has for us in this. And so we're going to look at three different things this morning. We're going to look at daily. What does it mean to do this daily? Number two, bread of provision. And number three, bread of participation. So daily. Let's, uh, let's start off looking at this. I think it's significant that Jesus chooses to ask us to do this daily. He could have said give us our yearly bread, or give us our, our monthly bread. Or he could just just left out that, that part entirely. But he doesn't. He says, do this daily. And when you think of it, daily is perhaps one of the most boring ways of, of measuring time. Um, what I mean by that is, is if you think of a year, a whole year, you kind of think of the highlight reel. You think of the big highs and lows, the changing job, moving house, going on holiday, the celebrations, the, the good things, the bad things. It can, can be quite exciting to kind of summarize a year and, and look back at what happened. When you think of the day, you think of kind of plodding along your to-do list, taking the bins out, or forgetting to take the bins out, in my case, unpacking the shopping, 
getting stuck in school traffic, running to co-op to buy more kitchen roll, those kinds of things. That's, that's the daily rhythm. And it's a little bit boring. But I think that's the point. I think that's part of what, what Jesus is giving us here. He's saying, invite God into your boring. Invite God into your daily plodding along rhythm. That's where I want to be. That's what I care about. That's where my provision, that's where my daily bread is. And the more you look at this, this is a, a kind of quite a theme throughout Scripture, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, of God pulling his people, pulling his children into that daily rhythm, not getting ahead of themselves. Uh, when the Israelites were wandering through the desert, they didn't have any food. Um, they just got to uh, save them from, from slavery in Egypt, and they're wandering through the desert. They couldn't plant crops. They couldn't buy food. And God provided this mysterious breadstuff from heaven called manna. And it was there every day. But if they tried to keep that bread over to the next day, it would go bad. It would go rotten. So they couldn't. They had to trust God every day for that provision. And it was almost like he was guarding against this very human tendency that we have to want to hoard, to want to manage our own provisions, to, to want to provide for ourselves and ensure that we have enough and not necessarily trust him. But he was saying, trust me every day um, for that manner. In Lamentations 3.23, it says, great is his faithfulness, his mercies begin afresh each morning. There's fresh mercy, there's fresh grace for each day. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I, I try to kind of make God's mercy last me a week or, or last me a month instead of just trusting him that every day there's going to be new provision, there's going to be new mercy. The writer of Hebrews, when he, he instructs us to encourage one another, he says, encourage one another daily. Uh, Jesus says, in fact, uh, a few verses on from, from this prayer that he gives us, he says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. When I was little, I used to worry about a lot. It was a kind of key theme uh, growing up for me. And my dad would often quote this verse to me. And to be honest, I found it a bit confusing and frustrating. I was like, well, well that's easy for Jesus to say. You know, he's Jesus. He doesn't worry about anything. But actually, I realized as I've grown older that as human beings, we have this constant temptation to be pulled out of today, to be pulled out of our, our present moment, whether we're looking ahead to something in the future. If I can just make it to that holiday, or if I can just get to the other side of that difficult work deadline, or if I can just get through my exams, whatever it might be, we're often looking ahead, or we're looking back, we're thinking, if only things could be how they were at that particular point. But I think the point is that, that God is here with us today. His presence, his grace, his mercy, his fresh grace is here today. If I'm off in the future trying to solve a problem that's not here yet, then I'm trying to solve tomorrow's problems without today's grace. I just feel like there's something significant for us about this, this measure of the day, that God's pulling us back in today, into today um, and saying, trust me for, for what you have for today. We're we're battling at the moment about, about a number of different things as a church, aren't we? And I think as we pray, as we intercede for these things, 
it's so key to remember that, that there's fresh grace for each day. So what about bread of provision? It's the next bit I want to look at if we unpack this more. Provision can look like many things, can't it? It can look like money, uh, opportunities, a house becoming available just when we need it. Um, our family has benefited from that. When I was a baby, my parents were living in a tiny flat in Seven Kings. It was cold, it was damp. There were frogs hopping through the living room. Um, they needed a house. They didn't have enough money to buy a house, and God miraculously provided a house for them. And that's part of our, our, our testimony. So God does that. He provides for us materially. He provides what we need. But I want to talk about a different part of provision this morning. Because so many times when I've been looking to God for something, maybe I'm in a situation, I need his help. The most significant thing that his provision has looked like for me in that moment hasn't necessarily been a meeting of that physical need. He does do that. He loves to do that. And we should ask him for it. But so often, his provision has looked like his voice. It's looked like his word speaking into that situation and transforming it. After Jesus was baptized, uh, the Holy Spirit says, led him into the wilderness. This is in Matthew 4. And uh, he's fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He's hungry. He's tired. The enemy comes to him and says, if you're the son of God, turn this rock into a loaf of bread. Feed yourself. Of course, Jesus is tempted. He's hungry. But he says this. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's quoting from Deuteronomy here. But the implication here is that it's his word that strengthens us. It's his word that sustains us, that gives us life. Yes, we need food. Yes, we need provision. And God will provide for that. But he also gives us his word, speaking into the midst of our situations, refreshing us. A couple of weeks ago, I remember um, Chris Page stood up here, I think it was part of Nick's talk, and shared uh, his testimony when him and Anna were in the middle of an adoption process. Lots of uncertainty in that process, lots of ups and downs, unpredictable things happening. And, and many of their family members were very anxious in the midst of that. But they had complete peace because they had a word from God that he was with them in that process. That's the difference a word from God can make. When uh, my wife Jane was, was giving birth to our first child, Zephan, um, again, there was a lot of uncertainty in the midst of that process. His heart rate on the monitor was going up and down quite dramatically, and lots of worried doctors running, running around, consultants looking stressed. And some of that stress was rubbing off on me, but Jane was at complete peace in that situation, miraculously, because God had spoken to her about our child, about his future, and she just knew that he was going to be okay. Again, a, a word from God made the difference. My uh, mum, before I was born, she was pregnant. She felt God speak to her from Psalm 128, verse 3, 
where it says, your sons will be as branches round your table. She didn't have any kids at this point. Um, and unfortunately, she, she lost that, that baby that she was pregnant with at that time. A lot of pain, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of questions. But she had that word, your sons will be as branches round your table. And she hung on to that. And that was strength to her. That was life to her. It doesn't mean that it was easy for her to go through. But she had a word from God that he brought to fulfillment. And there are so many times, I haven't got time to, to list them all today, where I have needed something from God and he's spoken straight into the situation and it just refreshes me. It brings life. It brings strength. There's a great quote here from Tozer where he says, it is the present, vo um, present voice which makes the written word all powerful. Otherwise, it would lie locked in slumber within the covers of a book. I think a new world will arise out of the religious mists when we approach our Bible with the idea that it is not only a book which was once spoken, but a book which is now speaking. This book is alive. We can open this book and we can have God speak directly into our situation. Of course, there are many ways that God speaks to us, but I believe part of what God might be inviting us to do through this prayer, give us your daily bread, is asking him, yes, for material provision, yes, for healing, yes, for all the things that he loves to give us, but also for his spoken word into the specifics of our situation. But he doesn't stop there. There's one final thing that I want to look at um, from this line, another aspect of, of our daily bread. That's the bread of participation. What do I mean by that? There's a story in John 4 where um, Jesus, again, is tired. He's hungry. He's been walking all day with his disciples. They get to a well just outside of a town in Samaria. And um, the disciples head into the town to buy food. And Jesus stays by the well. And a woman stops by the well. And then this famous interaction between Jesus and this woman begins. They start off talking about water. He asks her for a drink. And he says, I have a water to give that if you drink of it, you'll never be thirsty again. And it will become a spring of living water welling up in you to eternal life. And of course, she's confused. She doesn't really understand what he's talking about at this point. But then he starts revealing things about her past, things about her life that only he could have known. And she says, you're a prophet. And it opens up a whole new space in that conversation. And he ends up talking about the kingdom of God. He ends up talking about the redemption of, of God's people. And he, he finishes by revealing that he is the coming Messiah, the one that is coming into the world to fulfill that. And she's so impacted by this encounter, that she runs into town. She tells everybody who she's met, tells everybody about Jesus. And it changes. It, it transforms that whole town. And the disciples come back to the well. They find Jesus. And they're urging him to eat. They've got food. And he says something very intriguing. He says, I have a food to eat that you don't know about. The disciples are confused. They, they're like, did someone buy him food? Does he have a stash of food hidden away somewhere? What's going on here? But he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. 
We talked about, about God's provision um, this morning. But again, as I was praying over this with, with God, I, I started to realize that often I can walk through life asking God for his provision, but I'm simply moving from one need, one crisis, one struggle to another. Maybe I've got a stressful situation at work, and I'm like, God, provide for me in this situation. Not enough hours in the day. And he does. And then the next week, there's something else that comes along. And I'm just moving from one thing to the next. And I can find myself trapped in that kind of routine. And again, those are valid prayers. But God's heart is not just for us to move from one deficiency to another. Often I feel like I'm asking God to just just fill my cup daily. God, give me enough to get through today. But Psalm 23 verse 5 says, my cup overflows. He's not just about filling our cup. He's about us overflowing. He wants us to pour out, just like Jesus speaking to this lady at the well, a spring of living water inside of us, gushing forth to eternal life. So I've realized that I can pray that prayer, Lord, give me your daily bread from a position of of lack, of never quite having enough. To put it another way, I could could pray it with an orphan mindset, or I could pray it as a child of God, as his child, one filled with his spirit. God was always meant to be our provider. He was always meant to to provide for us. Right at the beginning at creation, in the garden, he was there with Adam and Eve providing for them. But we know what happened. They went their own way. Sin entered the world. That father-child relationship that God had with his people was, was broken. Sin got in the way of that. And human beings, we became our own providers. Just like in the desert, we, we started to want to hoard things to provide for ourselves. We became orphaned. But that's why this this passage in Matthew is so significant. When Jesus says, pray like this, he says, pray our Father. For the whole of the Old Testament, the people of God were estranged from him. They could only worship him through temple sacrifice, through rules, through ritual. But Jesus comes into the world And he embodies that father's heart and he says, call him your father. That's why the beginning of this prayer, our father in heaven, is so significant. And that's the foundation for everything else that we might might ask for. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to reveal the will of the father. He came to live a life that, that demonstrated that through the works that he did, through his death on the cross, defeating the sin that was keeping us from knowing that reality. And of course, God God raised him again, and he's given us the spirit of adoption into our hearts that confirms with us that this is absolutely true. One John 3 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. So when I pray this prayer, when I I pray, give us today our daily bread, I realize that that I can pray it from that place of adoption, of of really being a son of God, a child of God, and knowing that in the depths of my being, not just in my head, 
not just because I've always prayed it and I've always heard it and I've always known it. And it completely transforms that prayer from just about God meeting our needs to being about him meeting needs through us, pouring out through us. Our bread and our food is to do the will of him who sent us. And like Jesus, who was probably extremely tired, had every excuse not to engage in conversation with that woman at the well, he poured out. He was able to pour out from those reserves that God had given him. Last week, um, Connor got up and spoke and shared his testimony. And I was really impacted by it, particularly the transformation he'd experienced on the Alpha Day Away and, and encountering the Holy Spirit. There was a particular thing that he said that stuck with me, and it was this. He said, I no longer wake up thinking about what God can do for me. I wake up thinking about what I can give. That's a cup that's overflowing. That's someone who's, who's met their father, who knows in the depths of their being um, that he's real, that he is who he says he is. And that's what experiencing the father's love does us. It transforms us. It reorients our life around the reality of him being our father, him being our provider, and we get to live that life that he's called us to live. We talked about uh, our daily life being, being boring, but again, I think, I think that's the point. I think when we truly invite Jesus into that place, our to-do list, the things that we're doing, it becomes an adventure. It becomes an opportunity for him to use us in ways that we would never expect. And this is what I'm, I'm seeking for myself, and, uh, and this is what I invite us all to be, to be asking God for at, at this time. So just to, to close, just to finish, um, the question I have in my mind is this. Are we hungry? Are we hungry for the bread of his word? Are we hungry for the bread of his will? Are we uh, inviting him to use us in that way? And there's maybe uh, four different ways that perhaps we can respond. Uh, so number one, Lord, increase my hunger for the bread of your word, for the bread of your will. Lord, I want to move from a just enough mindset to an overflowing mindset. I want my cup to be overflowing. I want to be pouring out. Three, Lord, I want to know you as my father. Maybe that's for the first time for you. You've never known God as your father in that way before, and you want to do that. You want to come to him and say, God, show that to be true. Maybe you want, want a refreshing in that truth. Maybe you've known him as your father, but you want to come back to that place and say, God, show me again the reality of this love. Or number four, Lord, I want to step out into the adventure of your will. Isn't it? That's great. Thank you, Jeremy. Yeah, I think there's just that's a real invitation. I'm a person that definitely likes to plan everything and I think this is such a challenge 
Could we have those um, responses kept on the screen if possible? Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. I just want to pray for us, um, and then I'll we'll go from there. But you, Lord, I believe that you're speaking to us this morning. Lord, you welcome us into your family as your children, that we can know you as, as our Father. Lord, I pray for us, for people in this room, for people joining us on Zoom. Lord, let us know you as our Father. Let us know what it means to move from just about getting by, from moving from challenge to challenge to living in just the overflowing grace of being your children. Lord, this is not about us doing more. It is about us choosing to know that you provide. And for that, I thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK.